The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. And you're right, this is a good visual for Vince Pichel at the end of a close fight. As you can see from tonight, like my, I'm no slouch on the ground. I could grapple with anybody. Vince from hell, Pichel! Welcome to UFC Unfiltered. Please tell me that's on video. I've never been happier. I'm made for a fucking podcast. That's dangerous. <laughs> Listen to me, we're at it. Welcome to UFC Unfiltered. Matt, what are you doing? Matt, what are you doing? What? You were doing something. I was like, what are you doing? You little know. snitch. You were doing something. You're a little snitch. No, I was I just was doing, I was, Maybe I was itching my nose off camera. Oh, okay. I thought you were eating like a lollipop, but nothing came out but smoke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jimmy, nice to see you. Good to see you, buddy. We're going to do a movie minute later, Jimmy, because Good. I've seen the, the, the Suicide Squad. Not confused with that Will Smith lemon a few years ago. People always shit on the other one, the other Suicide Squad that came out. I don't think it was totally awful. I think there were some good parts in it. The CGI was a little cheesy, and it was some, the, you know, eh, it, it was okay. But there was some good parts in it. But the new, the Suicide Squad, the one done by James Gunn. Oh, you oh, like it? Jimmy, could you remind me to, later on to, to talk about this? Because we have a guest ready. But I want, the people want to know if I like it or not. Here's a little, here's a little, I'm going to do my movie minute later. Okay. But Jimmy, I loved it. But we'll talk about it later. I'm going to talk about it later. All right. Yeah, we should. We have two. Jimmy, people want to know that, you know, my they they, they want to know what I feel about this movie. It's a comic book movie done by James Gunn, who's normally does the Marvel movies. He does. He did two of the Guardians of the Galaxy. But now, he you know, he's in D.C. Yeah. People know I'm a comic book guy. Well, that's all I got to say. We'll talk about it later. But, gee, Jimmy. All right. I really enjoyed it. But we'll talk about it later. All right. We. um now, our first guest, we have uh, Vince Pichel uh, on today and uh, also uh, Todd McComas. He's the co-host of Guns Blazing, a podcast along with Sean Latham. And he's the host of the True Crime Podcast 1041 with Todd McComas. Now, 1041, I'm going to guess that's a police code. He's a former uh, police officer. He was on Barstool uh, Sports in the Pat McAfee show. Um, now I want to know if you, I think he was a detective. I could he be was wrong. A detective. He's, he's, oh, he was a detective, right? Let's yeah, let's bring him in. Let's bring him in. Interesting person. 
I'm here, guys. Thanks. So you want to know what 1041 is? Yeah, I imagine it's a police code for something. It is. It's police code for marking on duty. So the premise when I got that thing started was, hey, I'm putting all you, the listener, on duty to help solve this case that's still unsolved. Because it started with an unsolved case that I actually helped with back in the day. And what was the, what was the, uh, and now the question is before, how long were you a detective and where? I was a detective for 21 years for the Indiana state police. Oh, okay. Um, and what, now the case that you're talking about, what, what did it, uh, entail? Well, it's called, uh, the burger chef murders for those in the true kind, you know, fan base. And it was, uh, basically burger chef used to be like second to McDonald's as far as fast food burger joints, right? So back in the day, you know, it was either McDonald's wow. or Burger Chef. And there was a robbery that had occurred in 1978, and all four teenage employees were missing for two days. And then they found them in the woods, like 40 minutes outside of town, where they were all executed. Um, wow. Just not to go off track here, in the lineup, in the lineup, was the Hamburglar in the lineup at all? He has, he fits, he looks like a criminal, the Hamburglar, because he has the, the, the fucking mask. <laughs> he was the primary suspect for a long time. Turns out, not real. So they're like, ah, shit. You're right. In a suit. You're right. And people were murdered. So it's really yeah. not a laughing matter. Jimmy. Now, well, yes, Matt. Sorry about that. No, it was a fair you, question, you're actually. Comedian. I got to stay in my lane. <laughs> I get out of my lane all the time. God, I'm sorry about that. I'm no, a comedian too. That's what's weird, right? Like to be a detective for so long, and you're a comedian, it confuses people. They're like, what the fuck? Like, nobody, I'm just kind of one of a kind in that respect. I guess there's cops who become the comedians, but you know, I was, I was a different kind. You've done stand up comedy. You're doing stand up comedy now? Yeah, this is my full time job now, that and podcasting, I guess. Yeah. This is, a, now you are, um, I'm not saying unusual, I'm going to say an original. I have never heard of somebody with your type background here that a detective a detective for 21 years yeah all of a sudden wants to get into comedy is that what you you didn't dabble in it before john deresta you know john deresta uh john deresta is a uh a comedian who was a cop at one point but i don't think for that for as long as you yeah i guess that's what's different like and I, i've met a couple i know of a few and then What's weird, I guess, is like I was undercover for most of my career, right? So I was doing stand-up comedy, hitting the open mics. You know, I started on a dare, probably like most people. Like, yeah, you should fucking do this. And I got really drunk, did it. And then I just kept doing it. And then it turned out, you know, it was pretty good. And I um, I wasn't allowed to, to be to talk about being a cop because I was undercover when I first started. Right. Like, that's a stupid move. Just, hey, I'm this undercover cop that works in your area. Yeah. And so... I uh, I basically uh, left undercover at some point, and then our superintendent gave me permission to start talking about it. So then it went from just, you know, just your everyday, average, ordinary white dude with the beard talking about observational shit to these stories from, you know, being an undercover detective and, you know, just the funny shit, the self-deprecating crazy shit that would happen. Well, don't cops have a pretty, like, uh, like you know, whenever people say, oh, that joke's not appropriate, but cops have a pretty gallows humor because of the stuff you guys see. Oh, yeah. I mean, it gets dark, right? I mean, you're living in the darkness. And then it, in order to alleviate that, I guess, and, and, and not to, you know, just, just get fucked up by it, 
when you when you leave, yeah, there's some sick humor that happens afterward or or on site that you wouldn't want people to hear for sure. And that's how it starts, right? Because cops are great storytellers, and yeah. that's kind of where I honed it was to get floor time to be the guy that gets to tell the story of what happened, you know, afterward where you're drinking beers or whatever, you had to be better than everybody else. So I just kind of became the guy that everybody wanted to tell the story afterward. Isn't it crazy? Like guys, like cops that have podcasts, Sammy, the bull has a podcast. Like, isn't it funny? Like so many guys that years ago, whether it was a a criminal or, or a detective, like things you couldn't talk about. Now it's just like, put it all out there. Oh yeah. Yeah. I have a friend now who his name is, John Vizzi's his real name. He went into witness protection after a while. And uh, now he, he's out now. So I call him Vito because I think his name was John Vito after that's the name they gave him. But he was a hitman for the Philadelphia Mafia. And he was dying for me to get him into podcasting. Like, he's like, dude, let's get our own podcast. You're this former detective. I was a hitman that testified against the Philly mob, you know. And, and I was like, dude, I would. But you would get me canceled so fucking fast. Like this guy has no filter. Uh, Not only like for taking a human life, obviously, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking guy's a hitman. I know, right? Were you morally maybe, was it just because you could get canceled or maybe you're morally like, well, he used to kill people for money. So maybe I shouldn't have the guy in my my house to do this podcast. (laughs) Maybe a little bit, but I gotta be honest with you. I do consider this dude a friend, you know, he's got a new life now and it's, it's so weird. Like, you know, this Matt, like uh, these guys, they just came up different. Sometimes that's all it is. He came up in a world where he had two choices in life, become a professional boxer, which, you know, he tried, wasn't good enough eh, or join the mafia or end up dead. And he joined the mom. Isn't it interesting too, guys like who I'm not familiar with your with your friend, but you look at him or you look at Sammy the Bull or I think uh, John Alito is that the guy's name in New York. A few of these guys are who are mobsters who have, uh, I guess, uh, broken the quote unquote code, I guess, get sick and tired of witness protection. I don't even know if John Alito ever took it, but they just finally come out and they go, fuck it. Um, And do you think that's a sign that the mob is so different or these are just guys that nobody wants to fuck around with and take a chance with? Man, I tell you, in his case, he he got kicked out because he was trying to extort other people that were in the witness protection program. <laughs> like, I guess, hey, I'll, I'll tell people where you are unless you give me money or whatever. So he got he got thrown the hell out. Oh shit! But, yeah, and he was actually in uh, Sammy the Bull Gravano's class. I guess they were locked up together because they have their own little uh, part oh. of the prison where they all stay. So he served time with Sammy the Bull, and I think it, you know. He, he told me, like, man, when I got out, I, I was like, fuck it. Most of these guys are dead by now anyway, but the ones that aren't, they just won't fuck with me. He's like, I go back home and nobody fucks. So Yeah, Sammy kind of said, come and get me. You know, like, if you want to come get me, come, you know, and everybody knows that he's a guy who can take care of himself. So it's, is it worth it? You know, yeah. they can track your cell phone now. You can't go anywhere without your fucking phone being tracked. It's like, it's got to be hard to be a criminal these days. Yeah, I think so. And in like in John's case, it was a little bit different because they actually put it, they actually tried to kill him. So he, they shot him in the head twice. And then uh, once in the chest, he lived and uh, he was like, yeah, I guess I'll sign up, you know, with the FBI. That sounds like a good move at this point. Oh, I see. Yeah. So, so it wasn't was- like he just was, oh, I'm going to try to get out of some time or something. Yeah. He was like, fuck, these guys just try to kill me. So fuck them, you know? Yeah. 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 I think of some crime scene puns that that uh that got todd started 
<laughs> you see someone's eyes stabbed out. Oh, hey, hey, Johnson, he's seen better days. I mean, what do you say? What comes up? You start with the crime scene puns, and then you said, you know what? I'm going to do this in front of people because I'm making my buddies laugh. Is that how it started? I'm trying to think because I'm really, I want to, I'm really seeing like Jimmy was, you know, made to be a little comedian. I, it's just odd. Little comedian. Odd. You're very small. <laughs> but, you know, I've been a big, big, big time comedian. No, you're right, actually. I'm a small, I'm a yeah. small potatoes. He's big oh, time. Yeah. In fact, when I got this email, like the show up here, I was like, somebody fucked up. Like, I don't pop up on Jimmy Norton's radar. I don't pop up on Matt Sarah's radar. Like, it just so happens, I guess, I, I knew that she used to book when I worked for the Pat McAfee show. She used to book, book for us. So I guess I was on her roster or whatever. This is great. Guys. But you don't oh, respond with like, hey, you sure you didn't fuck this up? This yeah, some- yeah, of course. Yeah, I'm just like, yeah, check, let me check my schedule. Make sure some other huge podcasts don't want me that day. But yeah, I'm available. So I, I think it started with me like undercover. You know, you're working with these guys and you're always in these crazy scenarios. And then as soon as you were done with the surveillance or you would go make a buy, like you all have your debrief afterward. Right. And so we would all go meet and so many funny things would happen like during that surveillance or things that leading up to that, that buyer, that buy bus that you have to clue everybody else in that didn't get to see it. So you and your buddy who saw it or, or experienced it, told it to the whole group during the debrief. Like we had, we had, we were falling around this, um, this dirty cop for a long time and he was robbing drug dealers and then he would sell drugs out of the trunk of his freaking Mark police car in a parking lot of a strip club. Right. So, we would follow this guy around for the FBI like for for weeks. And we they were like, hey, you got to really sanitize your car. You can't have any police IDs anywhere around. We're going to give you false registrations for your vehicles, all this stuff, because he can run plates and all sure. that. So they say, you know, basically, you got to keep a low profile. You can't get burnt with this guy. Well, we go off on surveillance. My buddy, it came from northern Indiana. He had to drive like two and a half hours to get to Indianapolis for this thing. And he spent the night with this girl he'd been spending time with who was an Indianapolis cop who had a jealous boyfriend, evidently, and didn't like him being around, our ex-boyfriend. So he leaves her place. We're out on surveillance. And right after our sergeant's like, listen, don't do anything to get burnt. This is a big deal. We don't want to be embarrassed by the FBI, whatever. Like, keep a low profile. We're out for 10 minutes. And he calls everybody in. Go meet in this parking lot. And he was like, what in the fuck did I tell you guys about not getting noticed, not getting burnt during this thing? And we're like, what are you talking about? And he walks us over to my buddy Jeff's truck and that ex-boyfriend, while he was in there banging his ex-girlfriend, spray painted on the side of the truck, I love man meat, and then, and then put a big dick and balls at the end of it. So he's riding around in this white Toyota Tacoma <laughs> on surveillance with this billboard. I love man meat on the side. And we're supposed to not get noticed. And my buddy Jeff was, we walked over there and I was like, you know, I figured it's my job to be funny now. So I was like, I love man meat, dick and balls. And he was like, oh, and he lowered his head. And I was like, why? And he goes, I thought that was an exclamation point. (laughs) (laughs) So it was just, you know, I just compiled these stories and uh, I just started, you know, slowly bringing them out on stage. Now, what happened with the dirty cop? I I, I interviewed Michael Dowd. 
You know who that is? He was in that documentary about uh, the seven. I want, if I remember, it was yeah. the seventy fifth precinct or something. It was a really yeah, fucked think, up precinct. Yeah, where they were basically protecting these drug dealers. The seven five or something. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. This guy got like thirty years. I think. Oh, they caught him. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We put a good case on him, and the FBI charged him federally. So, yeah, he went away for a long time. He was fucked. But uh, it, you know, it was just just interesting. Like I loved my time there. Now they're. I got burnt out after a while. And when then Pat McAfee came over and asked if I wanted to, he was going to join Barstool Sports and quit the NFL, not be a punter for the Colts anymore. He was like, you want to retire? We were friends. It's like, you want to retire and come to work with me? And I was like, yeah, yeah. Like right now I was four years short of a full pension, but you know, it's still, still 21 years. So I still vested, but I was like, sure. Yeah, yeah that's a way better life. I think than than what I'm doing right now, I've got to do everything. I almost got shot like two years before that. So he was like, just stop. And I was like, yeah, that's probably a good idea. I'm trying to get on Comedy Central. So I don't want to get shot in some parking lot. Right, yeah. right. Where are you Um, where are you doing your comedy out of? Where are you living now? I live in Indianapolis. But, yeah, I go all over, all over. I mean, it's been rough since COVID. But before that, you know, a lot of the funny bones and improvs, I was kind of plugged in with that group, the uh, Dave Stroop group. So them and the Heliums pretty much occupied a big part of my schedule. Did you go to the UFC in Indianapolis back in the day? When Man. I had first time there? I took a beating there for my good friend, Chris Lytle. <laughs> Dude, I love Chris Lytle. Chris is my boy. We are. Oh, is he? Yeah, we're great friends. He and Matt Mitrione both. Such a, oh yeah, well, Matty, I met Matty yeah. through, uh, through Chris, but I love Chris. Chris is such a great guy. He, right before the bell rang, right, Jimmy? Uh, uh, at the because I, I I I was losing on the feet to him, but but you know I was taking the punches, but I was cut right. the headbutt, I was beat up. So right before the bell was rang, I, I I'm like, why is he putting his hands? Down? I guess he was counting down from the when it when they heard like the 10 second thing, and he just like put his hands out to like give me a hug, and I was still going after him. Then the bell rang, <laughs> and then he just thanked me so much for standing with him. Like he goes, you know, he hugged my head, he gave me a kiss. He's like, thank you. I should have used more jujitsu, but I love my Chris Lytle. He's such a good buddy of mine. He's such I got a nice scar here from him. Yeah, I mean, I definitely watched that fight. I didn't make it there. Uh, Rogan though came to Morty's comedy joint the the Friday night before, and I was tasked with being his bodyguard, which is pretty ridiculous. Like that dude needs a bodyguard, but uh, yeah. So we definitely we watched it at the time. I wasn't friends with Lytle yet, but I was a huge fan. Obviously, like he was one of my he, he Randy Couture my two favorite fighters probably because Chris was Indianapolis based. Once he became of that mentality, like I'm going to go to war every fight oh, yeah. and not just try to, you know, take it to the ground. Um, you know, he was so entertaining to watch you obviously too. Fucking one of my, one of the greats that I love to watch that you knocking out GSP. Do you think when you go through the archives, that was the most re- incredible fucking moment like people shot out of their chairs and through the roofs when that happened jimmy pay attention why you i am he was just saying something about me (laughs) thank you bro (laughs) i get him i blush all the time jimmy brings it up way too often yeah i can't help that but thank you yes and like i always say just skip the rematch. But yes. Yeah. What a day in the office. So wait, so now you got done with your whole, you're done with the, the police force. 
do you start are you on the road a lot or you do play do you do local like gigs uh, i'm on the road a lot now and that's why i left like so i was on the pat mcafee show the sports radio show for three years and then we podcasted obviously i had my own podcast under barstool sports and his umbrella and then he had his and then i i left like fucking seven weeks before COVID hit because I wanted to go full-time finally and stand up before that, because of my obligations there, I traveled around a lot, but it was, you know, once a month, maybe sometimes yeah. a month. And uh, we had a fan base so I could do well and get booked places as far as attendance goes. But then I was, man, I, first time, Jimmy, I'm like, finally, this is my dream. It's been my dream so long. I'm on my own. I booked pretty much from January to September. I had a booker, all that stuff. And uh, I was in with Stroops and Helium. I'm like, man, this is great. Here we go. Living the dream. We're going to make more money than I ever dreamed of making in my life. Boom. God pulls the emergency break on me. COVID. And now I'm like starting to, to rebuild because, you know, when you are only have some level of fame because you're only attached to a friend who's super famous, that shit fades pretty quick. Oh, Thank trust God. me. That's the story of my whole career. <laughs> I know I, I've had brief peaks and a long trip in the Valley. Yeah, I definitely understand it. <laughs> so now it's a battle back, but yeah, but you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get back wrapped up. And I used to, I mean, dude, I was a huge, huge UFC fan my entire life since the very first one, you know, we yeah. found it on accident. Uh, I was in the Marine Corps reserves and we were on a drill weekend in Dayton, Ohio and one of my buddies was a firefighter in Dayton. And he, he bought a house, this little house, and he had one of those old school satellite dishes, you know, that yeah. like the size of your house. So you, his house looked like a little substation where two nerds worked every day to intercept satellite communications or whatever. So we got this huge satellite dish. We're in there thinking we'll watch some fuzzy movie or some monochromatic porn or something. So we come across this, this thing this thing we're like what the fuck is this and man it really changed my life i went around telling everybody dude did you see this do you even know this exists of course everybody thought i was an idiot they're like what are you talking yeah. about? you're talking about that's blood sport you're describing i'm like no it's real and i i stayed with and i bet you i didn't miss the ufc until 2010 2011 and as the sport started to grow, you know, and I was still following, but now there's so many fighters and there's yeah. just so many fights that it's getting more difficult to stay up on unless it's your job like you guys. Um, but uh, I'm just getting back into it now. So my plan is to get just as into it now roster knowledge wise than I used to be. But I, I love it, man. There are so many great fighters now. I mean, yeah, it's hard to keep track. I mean, I, I watch almost every one. And it's still hard to keep track because there's so many, again, different fighters, so many weight classes, so many guys, uh, you know, there's just a lot of people to keep up with. So, yeah, it's hard for all of us, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I lie. I mean, um, I used to I, I love the disparity in styles. You know what I mean? Like when you used to you had a, you know, I don't know, a Matt Hughes against, you know, a stand up fighter like GSP used to be or whatever. And then those two were so different stylistically to me that made it. But now I'm starting to fall in love with this. You know, everybody's so good, so well-versed, the ground, stand-up, doesn't matter. But I, I, I'm really – there's still beauty in, like, when you find a Derek Lewis or somebody that, you know, you know he's top tier, but you know, like, when he fought Cyril, you knew what the deal was. He's going to have to suck him in 
and then catch him with a ride on the counter or he's not going to win this fight. Knockout specialist. Yeah. Yeah. But it kept you into the entire fight, even though he was being dominated, in my opinion. Because, you know, so I I particularly love those type of matchups. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I love guys who have a – I like well-roundedness, but – you give me a Damian Maya, you give me a Wonder Boy, you got, you know, who specialize in jiu-jitsu, specialize in karate. Yes. I, you know, I like that a lot because I, I love seeing the uh, the clash of styles. I do too. I do too. Yeah. So, I'm, you know, I'm excited for, like, to me, the heavyweight division is the most interesting right now. Just because, I mean, mostly because Jones obviously is going to come up and that's really going to shake yeah. things up. But, what, like, I, I hate – for him, I hate that. And now don't get me wrong. I mean, he has fucking created his own problems, obviously. And it pisses me off because here we have the greatest, probably the greatest pure athlete to ever do this. And definitely, I'm sure, the greatest pound-for-pound fighter to ever do this. But there's not really one heavyweight that's so dominant right now as the champion for him to come beat to solidify that pound-for-pound status. You, you know what I mean? Uh- well, Cyril Gaon, what, what is your thoughts on Cyril Gaon versus, uh, versus uh, Francis Ngannou? I, I like Cyril Gaon myself. Uh-huh. I mean, I think it's it's a, you know, they used to train together, right? So I, know, yeah. I think that what the, you know, the, I would say Cyril Gaon, no doubt in my mind. And, but the fact they used to train together, don't you find sometimes – that can kind of fuck things up a little bit because one guy can occupy a little real estate in the other guy's head, depending yeah. on how they matched up in training. So that, yeah. that, that could kind of, you know, level things out otherwise. But Cyril Gunn to me is just one of those once in a generation freak athletes. I mean, he, he moves like he's 180 pounds. Exactly. He moves like a middleweight. And when I hear people now, you know, the buzz like, oh, he's the, he might be the, the prototype for the future of the heavyweight division. Not until we start genetically engineering motherfuckers. Like until we start crossbreeding humans and cats, you're not going to see very many people move like he moves at his size. Very bouncy, light on his feet for a big man. Yeah, I would. I still take Ngannou over him, but the problem is now this looks like Rocky Three Ngannou. Like I don't like the fact that he's traveling and doing these appearance. Like I'm worried. Like is being the champ and the perks that come with being the champ affecting his training i hope not but it just seems like when when you're doing to all these personal appearances instead of taking a fight like i hope that that doesn't affect him where he just he has that rocky three that's interesting to think right because just the fact that he didn't take this fight makes you think oh you're being a little picky now like yeah Oh, you know, have you been sitting on this title for just a long ass time? Are you John Jones where maybe you, <laughs> yeah. you can pick exactly what your future holds? Like, yeah, I, I, that's an interesting point because m- maybe he's not in the right mindset right now. I don't know. That's a huge part of it. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy, we got Vince uh, Pichel, Pichel just jumped in the. Uh, yes. So, uh, yeah, Todd. So thank you. Listen, where can people find you? And well, let's promote your stuff properly. Man, uh, on social media, it's just at Todd McComas, my first and last name. ToddComedy.com is my website. So all my shit's on there, documentaries, uh, you know, podcasts, and uh, stand-up. Good, man. It was fun talking to you. You on Instagram? I'm sorry. Did you say the Instagram? Yeah, I'm on Instagram. It's at Todd McComas, M-C-C-O-M-A-S. Yeah, man. Thanks, buddy. Good talking to you. Nice to meet you, man. Hey, thanks for having me. I love both of you guys. This is awesome.
The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. That's a good mustache. What's up, boys? Now that mustache, oh. that's been there before. Oh, there. Yeah, that sounds better. I, mean, I, mean, I just finished training right now. So, fucking mouthpiece. How long has from hell? Hey, Vince. What's up, Matt? First of all, where'd you, where'd you get your nickname from? Just just because it rhymes? From hell or what? Uh, it, well, the, the rhyme scheme actually worked out, but I got it from my mom. Uh, when, when I first started fighting, I didn't tell my mom I was fighting. And then when I had my first professional fight, that's when I told her, I was like, mom, I, I guess I want to tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a fighter. She's like, yeah, I know stupid ass. You get arrested for it all the time. You're, you're, you know, you're, I know, I know what you do. And I was like, no, like I'm, I'm going to be fighting like professionally. I'm going to make money now. Like I'm going to make something myself. And so she goes, oh, what's your name going to be? The Pashel from hell. And I just wow. started laughing. Right. So then, uh, then I took it, I took it to the gym and I told big John who I trained for at the time. And then my coach Brian, and they're like, damn. They're like, that fits pretty good. He's like, we have to workshop that bitch. And then we ended up coming up with From Healthy Shell. And then uh, that just kind of stuck. Now, you said you got arrested a lot growing up. But where, where are you from? And were you just kind of fighting in the street? Yeah, I'm a desert rat, man. I was born in Lancaster, California. And then uh, I grew up in Canoga Park, kind of in a bad area. Um, I grew up on the system and whatnot, right? I, I lived on food stamps and HUD, paid for our housing. So um, I grew up in Canoga Park and the complex oh. I lived in was, was pretty notorious. There's a lot of shootings. There's always cops and police and, and the news there because of it. So that's where I mainly grew up. And then in uh, 94, I think when the earthquake hit um, in Northridge, that Northridge quake, we yeah, moved yeah. from Canoga Park to Simi Valley. And I lived in Simi Valley basically from there on. And I left a couple of times, but something always brought me back there. You know, life, life uh, issues always brought me back to see me. How did you... Um get involved with the martial arts at what age and, and what discipline um honestly i didn't start training in when i was 24 almost 25 where big john mccarthy's in valencia um i was like i was just a street kid man like i got in a lot of trouble for it i i had a i had a different kind of uh i had a different kind of smarts than than most martial artists which i think helped me help me get far in the game but I, I just jumped both feet in i didn't have no experience in wrestling or karate or nothing when i was younger actually I used to love Bloodsport and Rocky movies. So I'd be at home and I'd be shadow boxing and kind of mimicking them right in, in the movies. And I remember I told my mom when I was like, we were still, we were still living in the Valley in Canoga Park. And I told her, I was like, Hey, I want, I want to be in like karate. I want to learn like Shotokan. I want to be like, I want to be like John Clan Van Damme. I want to like, I want to win like a Kumite and shit. Right. Even though like, I didn't know if that was real or not, but my mom, my mom's like, yeah, fuck yourself. I'm not paying for some kids hospital bills when you, when you mess some kid up. Right. So no, nah, we're not doing that. And so uh, I just kind of, I just kind of was a little hoodlum, did drugs and shit when I was younger. And then when I was 20, when I was 24, 
I was dating this girl, uh, my first love actually, uh, back in Simi. And her dad was a fighter and had a friend who was a fighter, uh, a hometown hero whose name was Mark Bear Smith. Uh, rest in peace. He passed away two years ago. But I got, into a, I got into a fight one time at a party and I beat up a couple of Mark Smith's friends who I found out were um, – Hapkido, one was a Hapkido black belt and one was like a Taekwondo guy, I guess. And, and I just, I starched both these dudes. I knocked them both out like easy. So we're, we're kind of hanging out at Thanksgiving and Mark Smith was a big dude. He, he was, he was like a tank Abbott kind of guy, He's short, stocky dude. You know, he was round. Um, but he was like, like yeah, he's like, you think you're tough. He's like, once you take your ass to a gym and fight some real fighters. So I was like, tell me where to go. I was like, I'm down to fuck up some fighters. You know what I'm saying? So uh, he told me uh, I went to a gym in Sing Valley called, geez, uh, what was it called? Kid Gloves at the time. And I was there for, I think, like a month, maybe a month and a half. And I was also working as an electrician. I was learning the, the trade of electrician. And so uh, I would work during the day, 10 hours. I would come home and then I, I would train for a couple hours at this gym. And then I kind of had a falling out at the gym because the, the guy that owned the gym was kind of a, without talking too much shit, he was a used car salesman. So trying to rip me off. And so eventually I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm not, I'm not going broke to, to pay you just so I could learn some, some scraps. You know what I mean? So I kind of left for a minute and then I had some friends who were fighters and they were like, Hey, what happened to you? I don't see you at the gym anymore. And I was like, man, fuck that shit. This dude's trying to rip me off. Like I'm not down for that. And so they were like, Hey, well, big John McCarthy's having fighting tryouts, you know, in a couple of weeks, we think you should try out. And I was like, really? You guys like, you guys think I'm that good? I got no skills in this kind of shit. And they're like, no, nah, man, try it out. We're like, we think you'd good. You'd be good. So I went to Big John's. I actually missed the first try. He had two tryouts. I missed the first tryout because I got shitty directions and I kind of got lost. So uh, I went there and my coach, Brian Peterson, who was my coach up until, you know, my my head coach up until like this point, um, I was talking to him and I was like, hey, I'm Vince. Um, I, I, I found out my friends told me you guys try fighting tryouts. Sorry, I'm late. You know what I mean? I know you guys have another one in a couple of weeks, so I'll be here in a couple of weeks to try out again. And then Brian goes, okay, uh, how much, how much experience you got? And I was like, oh, I've been training for like a couple months. He's like, oh, a couple months for, for the tryouts. I was like, no, nah, I've been training like a couple months. I was like, but I promise you, I hit like a fucking Mack truck. So you ain't going to be disappointed. Right. And then uh, Brian kind of just rolled his eyes was like, yeah, go, go fill out the paperwork and I'll see you in a couple of weeks. And I was like, all right, motherfucker, you'll see you in a couple of <laughs> weeks. So I filled the paperwork, went for a couple of weeks, uh, made the tryouts. Um, Brian called me that weekend to, to let me, you know, if I made it on heat, he goes, uh, first thing it says is, what's up? This is Brian from Big John's um, calling you about the results of the, of the fighting tryouts, yada, yada. I'm like, cool. What, like, let me hear it. And he's like, you want the good news or the bad news? I'm like, fuck. I'm like, give me the bad news first. Let's end on a good note. He's like, all right. He's like, bad news is, he's like, you don't really know shit. He's like, you're, you're going to be a lot of work. We don't know if you're going to be cut out for it. And uh, we're, we're, just, we're just not sure of you. So we put you in a maybe pile. He's like, we got a yes pile, we got a no pile, we got a maybe pile. He's like, you're in the maybe pile. And I'm like, all right, well, that's that's not so bad. You know what I mean? Like, what's the good news is? He goes, well, the good news is uh, we decided to take you out of the maybe pile because you showed a lot of heart, a lot of determination, and your conditioning was just ridiculous above everyone else. So we decided we're going to take a chance on you. Congratulations. You're on the fight team. I was like, fuck yeah, man. I got so excited. I had a little flip phone. I fucking chucked my phone, broke that shit. Like, I was, I was so stoked. I honestly thought that all was going to get paid. Well, what happened if you would ask for the good news first? I don't, I don't know. I don't know, man. The good news like, is you're on the team. The bad news is you were almost in the maybe pile. But listen, th- th- that, that's neither here nor there. Yeah, the that's a good is, question. It was a I'm here question. now. I'm here now. 
You gotta ask him. Say, what if I would have? Anyway, yeah. look before you were after your last fight. Um, you defeated the um, you defeated Jim Miller. Um, you went to Colorado to train. Now, why make the switch? Um, real quick, I told my coach Brian too. I was like, "You're lucky that you guys took me out of that baby that maybe pile because if you didn't, I was about to join Boss Rudin's gym in Westlake, and I was I would make it a personal vendetta, to fuck all your guys up. I don't care what weight class they were. That's the kind of guy I am. I like, Vince, <laughs> I, like I like that Vince. I like that already. <laughs> but uh, the move was kind of it was kind of uh, it was there was a lot of factors. Um, I've been wanting to move out of California for a while. Um, I'm a California California boy, born and raised. I love California, but but I'm I'm also I'm also kind of a kind of that traveling gypsy type where I like to I like to just experience new things. You know, I like to travel around. I like to see new things. I like to talk to new people. I'm that kind of person, right? I like to, I'm I'm that constantly loving to learn person. So I've always wanted to move out and kind of live somewhere else and just experience life other places because I know there's life other places. I've been out of the country, so that was a big factor. Another huge factor was um covid covid was a was a real big factor in my training once it hit and uh it kind of stifled me a little bit and i was still training because of covid but my training wasn't at the level that i wanted to be for where i'm at and and i didn't want i don't want to be like those guys who who kind of just let fighting get away from them right like the fighting's what i love it's all i know and and i'm good I'm, i'm i'm a jack of all trades but a master of none right but I I'm that kind of guy that, that if I want something, I'm going to do what I have to do to keep it in my life. So fighting was one of those things that I wasn't ready to let go of yet. And so, uh, we, we got sick of the gym. Everyone got sick of the gym from COVID me included in November after I had fought Jim Miller. So, um, when I, when I had gotten sick, I, I chilled at home. I took care of myself, took my vitamins. I went for walks every day, you know, kept myself in, in, in somewhat shape. Right. So I wasn't just kind of deteriorating from, from the, from the sickness. How bad was and, it? It wasn't too bad, honestly. Like I've had flus that were worse. Um, I was I was kind of bad for two days, I would say. The third day was almost nothing. By the fourth day, I was back smoking bong loads again. So it wasn't really too bad for me. Um, but uh, when, when I went back to the gym and no one else was back at the gym, I, everyone was kind of like, "Whoa, we're just gonna let this whole thing blow over, right?" And, and I, I'm not a lay down. I'm not a lay down and die type. So I was like, you know what? I got to make a decision. I was talking to my manager, Jason House. And uh, my, my two choices were either Vegas or here in Denver because Alex Hernandez was here and he's a, he ended up became a good friend of mine after the last USO tour I did. So he had moved out here and I was like, you know what? I know this is a good gym. Uh, I really like coach Mark Montoya. I like his, I like the mentality. We mesh very well together. We have the same mindset. We see things the same. So I came out here, I tried it out and I really loved it. And the reason why I chose this over Vegas even though Vegas would have saved me a, a ton of money, I had the PI and and I wouldn't have really been spending any money because of rent when I right? Vegas is a really cheap place to live compared to California anyway. Um, out here in Denver, it's a little more expensive. It's still cheaper than California, but it's a little more expensive than uh, Nevada. So, but out here, I would have had a uh, coaching right. And so when I was back in California, another thing too that made me want to leave was. I was kind of training myself after the ultimate fighter. I'm not sure what happened with big John in his gym. Um, but he ended up closing down and I was kind of just, I was kind of just that nomad going from gym to gym and I was training at like six different gyms, right? Like I've trained at Alliance, I've trained at Kings, I've trained over at City of Tong, I trained at Street Sports, I trained at Peterson Grapplers, like I was all over the fucking place, man. And it was, it was kind of, it was kind of wearing me down, right? Sitting in that car for an hour to get to the gym was, was just not, it's just not what I wanted to do anymore. 
And so uh, I came back. I came over here. I tried this out. I really love Mark Montoya. I love the culture that he has with the guys, the camaraderie with the team. You know what I mean? All the team here is like super young. They're all like mid twenties as an average age, right? And I'm I'm 38 years old, but in this gym, you don't know. You don't know that I'm 38 years old. I'll, I'll tell you that much right now, or even when I fight. So I decided to come up here just because it would be a little tougher for me, but. I wanted that challenge and I wanted that, I wanted that, that responsibility of, okay, I need to, I have a coach and I, and I have someone who's on my ass now. So uh, I need to take care of things. Right. And so that energy energy, energy is a big thing to me. So it was mainly just that in the culture and, and that, that, that made me decide to come here instead of Vegas. Cause in Vegas, I would have just been training myself. I would have been, I would have been just nomading the same thing, going to Couture's or a syndicate, right. in the PI and just kind of doing my own thing, which is, you know, it, it got me, it got me this far, but, but I want to excel. Right. I, and being here now, I like, I want to make that title run. Right. Uh, I feel good enough that I can make a title run. And you, when you look at your life, you realize like you could have went into a really bad direction too. Like you ever look at that? Like, fuck man. Like you could do you, There's like a left or a right. You could have went and, and you went the right way. Totally, man. And, and honestly, if, if I didn't, if I didn't find fighting, I don't, I don't know where I'd be, man. Like I, I could, I could very easily be in prison right now for all the stupid shit that I was doing when I was younger. Right. Like I'm, I'm a street kid and a lot of things that I've had to do in my life, I can't really talk about to people because of it. Right. So, but I, I've, I've had to do things that I didn't want to do just because I've had to do it to survive. And I've been put in situations where I've had no choice, but to find my way out. So because of that, it's, it's made me the person I am. And, and I'm glad that fighting found me. You know what I mean? I don't like to say that I found fighting because fighting found me. And if fighting had, didn't find me, I don't, I don't know. I don't even know if I'd be alive today on the sake of the people I was hanging out with. Well, Vince, I know what else found you. That mustache. Now tell me <laughs> and tell the world. Because, look, I got a little bit of facial hair and I find myself just, you know, just playing with it. And I see during a thing, you're doing almost like the strongman mustache. You're doing the old, hmm. It's fun. When did you grow that thing? And when, it looks like it's such a part of you. Uh, that thing, that thing, that thing was on pre-pandemic. That you tell me, when did you grow that thing? Uh, I actually grew it. I grew it when I fought uh, Greg Gillespie, but it wasn't as it wasn't as glorious as it is right. now. So I had a little bit of a mustache when I fought Gillespie, but uh, it, it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't as manly as it is now. I could say that, I guess. But uh, if. It, Anyone who knows me knows I'm I'm a I'm a big hearted guy, but I'm also I'm also that cowboy that fires from the hip. So it's just something that fits me really well, and, and I love the mustache. And I don't know, I just I just feel like it's just my it's just my thing now. People people when they see this mustache, they know it's me. They know hell's coming. You know, I had I I, I did it like to, because I was shooting something and just to be silly. And I hate the way it feels on me. Like I I, I am obsessed with just feeling this thing on my face. It doesn't drive you crazy? Honestly, sometimes, yeah, it does. When I'm eating, sometimes I'm eating these fucking hairs and shit. But you know what I do is that's how I trim it now. So if I'm eating and the hairs come in my mouth, I just bite those hairs and I chew them and I spit them out. That's how I trim my mustache. Oh, I wow. Use, All right. <laughs> I don't take scissors. I don't use clippers. I chew these hairs off if they get too long. I just chop, I just chomp them now. Yeah, that's a, that, that's what a tough guy does. I, I, I chew and spit out my own mustache hair. <laughs> that's fucking crazy. 100%. 100%. <laughs> Um, so what, what do you, what do you, uh, what are you uh, expecting out of, uh, out of, uh, Austin Hubbard? Uh, you know, you, you, I, I watched the Gillespie fight and, and you, you rebounded well from that after that loss. You, I'm always impressed when a guy rebounds after a, a, a tough loss like that. Um, and what are you expecting out of, uh, out of Hubbard? Um, I'm, I'm expecting a tough fight out of the kid. Uh, he, he's a good, he's a good fighter. He's, he's got some skills. He's also pretty similar to me in the way he fights. Right. So. I'm kind of interested in see uh, whose style dominates who. 
I mean, of course, I think I'm going to take it. And I don't think he's, he's really at my level yet with the intelligence, the striking or the grappling game and the fighting, but he's definitely, a, he's definitely a good, tough kid. And, and uh, I'm expecting a firefight, which is, like I said, I'm a cowboy. I'm going to be firing from the hip. So we'll see how it goes. That Gillespie fight was a tough loss for me. That was a big opportunity for me. And I felt like I kind of got folded a little bit under that pressure and, and I fell short, but life lessons, you know what I mean? Life lessons. Well, you typically, you did not go down a whole lot. And you know what I mean? That was just one of those nights, it seems like, because I know that you were, you were, you were rather difficult to take down. And I know he had good success and it just seems like it was just, he was just on that night. Yeah, he, he was, he was really on fire that night. He was pushing me and, uh, and I just made a mistake. He capitalized on a good mistake that, that I'd made. Right. So um, in that arm time, I got caught in. I just, I just made a, I just made a poor life choice, and, and he took advantage of it. So, I mean, I would have done the same thing. Honestly, it's the name of the game. You, you, you give up an inch, and and that that can cost you the fight. So that's just what happened. And after I beat Jim Miller, you know what I mean. I just let him know that I was just off my game that night. You know what I mean. If that dude that has fish for friends wants to run it back again, I'm down to, I'm down to right that wrong in my career. Hey Vince, when you're not training. And you're not trimming that that stash of yours. What is give us a hobby you're doing? What do you like to do? What's a what's something like off besides training? Something un, unrelated to MMA? Honestly, I'm I'm a big outdoorsy person. Uh, I, I'm I'm the kind of guy who'll do anything once, right? Like I go, I like to go shooting. I have some guns. Um, one of my coaches, Coach Scotty, lives up in Evergreen, which is like nine thousand feet. So I come up to his house and I bring an axe and I'm up there lumberjacking trees down, bro. Like I like doing shit like that. Oh. I got a four by four. I like going off roading. I got a two stroke dirt bike that I still have. So I like going dirt bike riding. I'm a big video game player. So like when I'm in fight camp, I'm huge with video games. I love video games. That's a good, that's a good escape for me. Right. Um, killing people in the streets isn't, is kind of frowned upon now. So I do it in video games. Um, you know, I like to go camping. I like to hang out with friends. So it's, it's whatever. What with the video games? You had me at video games. Because all oh, the yeah. other shit was so manly and everything. I just can't. Don't put me on a quad, dude. I'll go over a fucking. I'll go off. Yeah. The I'm, you know, I'm not. But, hey, you put me in the VR world. And I I did. I had, I ate Merc. I murked eight people before with a sniper rifle. I don't want to. Jimmy, I know that sounds funny. I'm a 47-year-old man. But let me tell you, you got a good sniper kill in this population one. It'll make your day. Yeah. What do you yeah. like, Vince? Um, the games I play. So I like to play uh, Escape from Tarkov, which is a realistic shooter. Uh, almost like a post-apocalyptic uh, shooter, not zombies or anything, but just kind of like the world kind of turned to shit and you just got to survive and scavenge around, right? It's a really good game. It's a PC game. I'm a PC player. I play on PC. Oh. Um, so I play that. I also like to, I really like to do some role-playing on GTA, which is what a super huge thing for me. So I got this little redneck character that I created. His name's Skeeter Clevin. Um, he talks like this and he's got his little redneck voice and he plays, he's got lots of friends, you know? But uh, I, I like to do that. I was super huge with that on my Twitch. I have a Twitch channel, actually, that I stream, too. So, like, I like to do that. I like to play uh, space games. I have the space game I like to play where you just build spaceships and you just explore the universe and planets and stuff. I got, like, this old Viking game that I play called Valheim. So I, I like to play all kinds of games, man. Like, I, I'm not really, like, so much in just one particular game, but I like to play all different kinds of games because I get bored pretty easily, so... I like to do shit. How long, how long do you stream for events? When you go out, like it, will you go on for an hour or two hours or is it like a long night? It uh, depends what I'm playing. If I'm playing like a Tarkov or a shooter, I'll play for like, I'll typically play for like five, six hours. Wow. But if I, uh, if I, if I'm playing GTA, man, sometimes I get hooked on that. I'll be playing for like 10, 12 hours. And I don't even realize it. The time on Twitch? Fast. Yeah. On Twitch. Wow. You'll be twitching. All right, Jimmy. You'll yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Sitting in that chair, get up like an old fucking man and shit sometimes. <laughs> 
That's so great, man. Sooner or later, I'll follow you on, man. I keep oh, telling Matt to join Twitch because Matt, Matt's a gamer. You should, man. It'd be, everybody, people would love you. Yeah, I also, you know, also I have too, Matt, is I got a, a VR headset and I love playing scary games. So I got like Paranormal Activity and like Exorcist. Oh man, they scare the fucking shit out of me, but they are so fun to play. The VR, the VR games are, they're amazing. I am, uh, I got the Oculus Quest 2 and I am uh, just balls deep in this Population 1. It's just, nice. like, it's, a, What's you know, it? it's called Population 1? Population yeah. 1. What's that about? It's just, it's a. Hey, it's, I'll be interested. I couldn't even figure out the weapons in that game. Five I suck. Oh, you got MP5s, you got shotguns, you got the you got the the ops. You, I'll perch somewhere and I'll sit in my recliner and I'll fucking. Dude, I was, I felt like I was in Saving Private Ryan. I was sniping people, fucking thing. <laughs> Have you played Zero Caliber? I got a, I got an Oculus Rift. Oh, I know, but I got to get that. I, I played Onward. You ever mess with Onward? No, but I've seen that one too. And that one looks really fun. That one looks that, really fun. More realistic, you know. The one I'm talking about looks a little arcadey, but it's such a cool yeah. Game. You could just climb everything. You got jetpacks. You, it's just a oh game. hell yeah, woo, dude. There's times and I've seen. You play before. sitting down. You play standing up. Well, I sit down and stand up. Like I sit down to snipe. Otherwise, I'm standing up and I'm fucking. Huh? You know. How many times have you? How many times you've ate shit or, or fucking smacked something? Oh, there's times I I've, I've hit my hand on that because you got to fly sometimes. You know this and I fucking I'm <laughs> sometimes I'm playing I'm playing I'm, and I have my headphones on so I'm really um, it's like very immersive. And then my wife yeah. will over and she'll hit me in my balls and I'm <laughs> she's like fucking nerd. <laughs> Bro, me too. I, I've punched my wall so many times playing The Exorcist and like I'm falling because I get scared. I'm like, oh, fuck. And then like oh, I yeah. throw the shit and I'm just on the ground. So much fun. Wait, The Exorcist you play? Uh, it's, it's called Exorcist, but it's a VR game. And it's just like you're basically a detective just going through some scary, creepy shit. Dude, I think I, I, ha I, can I have Oculus Quest 2. And I've tried that game. Is that with the dog in it when you're walking through the woods? No, I don't have a dog. No, there's no, also but a game called The Forest that's pretty scary. That's kind of like that too. No, this is the Exorcist Three or the Heretic, or and you're walking through the woods with a dog, and it's leading you. And I was like, "What the fuck?" I couldn't figure anything. I couldn't even get out of the police station to figure out what my mission was. The watch would pop up with the options. I stink at these yeah. games. I can't figure I them the, out. I got the original. I got the original Exorcist. The, a good one for you to try would be uh, probably Paranormal Activity. That's a good beginner one because it's pretty basic with it, but it's it's super fun. You're just in one house and going around, but it's it's freaky as shit, man. That shit makes my hair stand up. Do they have it for the Oculus Quest? Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. They should. Okay. It's all Oculus games. It should be in that Oculus store. If you have that Oculus store app, it'll be in there. Do you know what's really good is the is the uh, Vader Immortal is a great game. Oh, the Darth Vader one? I love that. Yeah, Vader Immortal is really good. I haven't tried that, but I've been, I actually watched some people play that on stream, and it looks really dope. That, yeah, that there's three of them. Really They're great. Jimmy plays. He doesn't play as a Jedi. He plays as a, a Jawa. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> You're a little Jedi. Little Ewok. Little Ewok in the mountains. <laughs> little Ewok. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm not very good, but it's fun. It's a fun game. Hey, that's what it's all about. Just having fun, man. Having fun. Oh, that's it. That's all it is, man. Shit. But uh, hey, uh, man, hey, listen, man. You're you're a fun guy, and you're just like you're fun to watch, man. You're a fun, you're fun to watch fight. This is your first time on here. This is not the last time you're on here, dude. I want you to come on. I hope not. I hope not, man. I had a good time, man. I really, honestly, dude, man, I really love watching you fight too, man. Oh, thanks, Vince. I appreciate when, when you, you when when you beat uh, George Champier, man. That's when I first started fighting, and, and I was I started fighting in 07. 
And when that was like when I first started training and fighting, I seen that and I was like, oh man, you were like, man, <laughs> you're you, like bro. a hometown hero for me. I hey man, I appreciate that. That's the gift that keeps on giving. Jimmy brings it up like every other episode. I guess yeah, I do. I blush. <laughs> but thank you, Vince, man. We're gonna look forward to watching you this weekend fighting uh, Austin Hubbard, man. Yeah. Should be good. Thank you guys. Thank you guys. Thank you for having me. All right, take care, Vince. Be good, man. Later, Jimmy. Later, Matt. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Uh, Jimmy, so really quick, let's just do a couple of things and get out of here. Sure. Uh, so I recommend, I and you know what, I recommend the, the Suicide Squad. Put in the put on YouTube, um, Ratism. It's a song, I think by John Murphy. I got to see who sung it. But what a great song! And it, it's like the song that comes on at the end when when something happens. And there's such a beautiful moment at the end of this movie. And I don't want to say what it is, but it's like the ending scene when the Suicide Squad's fighting Starro the Conqueror. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, you didn't you didn't leave my fucking thing actually. Uh, no, I'm here. My, my thing actually. Oh shit. Let me get back onto you guys. Did you ever do it? Now I can't see you, Jimmy. Did That's you all right. You You're not missing much. I, the, you know how to do that? I don't know how to get back. If you want to get back, you see the red little circle on the top left? Yes. Click on that. Jimmy, <laughs> <laughs> you guys still see me though? Yes. Yeah, so at the end, there was a scene with, the, with the, this girl who played Ratcatcher 2. And she she is so good. Her her ability, her, her superpower is she controls rats, Jimmy. I know it's like, oh. but she has this scene and she says this thing to the the the, 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 the monster, the monster's actually talking to the people that it's almost like aliens, like the things come out and they get stuck to the people's yes. and they have like a big eye on them, and 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 it the, the monster, the big starfish is talking to the people, like ah, this is our island, and it's got the thing on the face. Yeah. So when she, you know, there's a scene at the end with Ratcatcher 2 and Harley Quinn and this and that. And it's just, it's got me emotional. And then there's a flashback to her and her father. And the father's played by Taika Waititi. Did I say it right? Yeah. And, it's, and he was like the original Ratcatcher. And you see him talking to his daughter sitting above a city. And she's asking him, why rats? Why, why rats, Papa? And then he's like, oh, and he's explaining it to her why rats. And the music's going, and then they go back, and she's fighting. The thing. It, listen to me. The Suicide Squad, I have something else to say about this. Yeah. Did you like that scene? 
Jimmy, Jimmy, that scene was so beautiful. The scene, the scene was beautiful. Was the answer because when she said, why are rats, Papa? Did he say because I had a lot of cheese? No, Jimmy, no. He Jimmy, didn't say that. Okay. No, he did not say that. He said something along the lines of because rats are the most like, um, like, you know, like the grotesque type creatures of all. And if there's purpose for them, there's purpose for all of us. But it was like beautiful. Then his music in the background, he's swinging his legs and they're on top of a thing. It's really nice. But the thing is this. I'm really upset. Not really upset. But the, the thing, they're saying it flopped at the box office, just like um, Black Widow, which was another great, like, that's a really good movie. That also flopped. This is the fucking problem, Hollywood. And I'm not complaining because I watched them both a bunch of times since. They're home stream. They're stream. You're allowed to stream them at home. So what do you expect? You think, And now, plus the whole fucking, with the pandemic, everybody was scared with the fucking mask without the mask and whatever else is floating around. A lot of people aren't going there. They'd rather watch it at home. Of course, of course, it's not going to kill at the box office. I mean, if you didn't, if you didn't have the, if it wasn't the times of year now, this movie would have killed. So I'm just saying it's a great fucking movie. You know who's probably putting that news story out there? Fucking Ted Lowe's and all these other guys that own theaters that no one is going to. It's probably the box or the movie theater people probably pushing those stories. What, that it flopped? Yeah, so it looks bad. So they put them out on, you know, so, so that it looks bad for the movie companies. Jimmy, it's, it's a great movie. I recommend. It, it just, it's just, it's got a lot of, it's, I'll tell you right now, he does such a good job of picking the music to go to the, to the movie. It's like, yeah. he's so good, James Gunn. And it's, it's really, it's probably, it's up there with one of my, it's probably, it might be my favorite DC movie. Oh, yeah. I said it. Okay. Now, here's something else I want to talk about really quick. I'm sure. Just, a split second. You know, and I'm not going to try not to get emotional. Okay. Cause I, I do that sometimes, Jimmy. Sure. I'm happy. I can't see you right now. Yeah. Um, you know, the team doctor, Dr. Cheryl Walken, Walken. Uh, she's a good friend of mine for over half my life. She was the team doctor for Sarah Longo. She's been with us to <laughs> all over the world, Australia, just for raging owl. She was in Manchester for raging owl. She was in my corner. Dr. Sherry ah. was in my corner for when I fought George St. Pierre. If you see one lady in the corner, that's Dr. Cheryl Walken. So she died of cancer oh. a few days ago. Yeah, dude, I don't want to get emotional. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. But she was a very good friend. And uh, like, let me tell you, Jimmy, she was very selfish. Self, self, selfless, yeah. Selfless, you know what I mean? Like she was like, you know, anything with the family, anything with anybody with the team. So we're all broken up about it. And uh, it was just devastating, you know, because... We knew she had cancer, you know, and the last I talked to was July 4th. I mean, she spent Christmases, her and her daughter, Emma, they'd be at my Christmas. They, they were spent like many Christmases at my house, you know? Right. So it's like, I couldn't get any closer. Whenever I was going through things, she'd literally be my shrink. Like I talked to her with, with family stuff, with everything. So, you know, it's a devastating blow to the yep. family. To the team, you know, the Sarah Longo team. She's worked many UFCs. You've seen her in the in the cage, I'm sure. You know, working the event. Um, so that's it, man. You know, I just wanted to say uh, she'll be missed and not forgotten. And it makes you look at, you know, it just makes you look at things, you know. Yeah. So that's it, Jimmy. I love. I'm you. sorry to hear that, man. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to hear that. Thanks, man. What do you want to uh, plug? 
Well, I mean, it's kind of hard to plug now. It's not the appropriate time to. Jim, let's plug. Them. <laughs> let's just plug. Things. No, I'm back on the road again. Uh, I will be in um, uh, Chicago September 10th. Two shows at the City Winery. I'm making up those dates, and then September 11th, I will be in uh, the uh, Royal Oaks Music Theater in Royal Oaks, Royal Oaks, Michigan. And I'm back on the road. Go to jimnorton.com. I got Philadelphia coming up. I got New York coming up. I got Buffalo coming up. Atlanta coming up. Boston, Connecticut. I got a bunch of dates coming up and I'm loving, loving being back on the road. You do. Are you getting your timing back, my little bird? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this weekend, I just did uh, Wisconsin. I did four shows and it's the first headline shows I've done in a while and it was unbelievable. Like it was so good. The new stuff worked. I could not have been happier. So thank you to all who came. Now, could you think of any like crime scene puns that uh, our friend... uh could have came up with like how do you think of a nice crime scene well it depends on what the crime is well i mean it could be anything i tried to think of one before it was fucking awful Uh, i heard that when john wayne gacy um when john wayne gacy killed all those that's the clown right yes um and they were pulling like uh uh something about they, they were taking like a head out of the uh like out of the ground like a skull and the cops were joking around like, ah, oh, the problem with this guy is he don't, he doesn't have nobody like, you know, cause it was just a head. <laughs> but I mean, like <laughs> these are guys that are fucking pulling out dead bodies. So they have to, you know, they have that, that dark, dark sense of humor. It was shit like that. That is, Jimmy, they were joking. They were telling jokes. I don't find that funny at all. A person's dead. Yeah. That you have to. The fuzz the- what if they just, what if they just like tried to, what if they really took it up a notch and they picked up the severed head and started making it talk? It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, you got, you got to handle it somehow. Right. Right. It reminds me of that scene, uh, in, um, breaking bad when the, um, the cartel or whatever put on a, on a turtle, they put a head. Oh, right. They're all making jokes. Ah, What's the matter? Yeah. Hank, you can't, you know, you feel queasy and somebody goes to Ted, it blows up and they're all fucking, Whoa. What a crazy show that was. It was. Yeah. Jimmy, you know I love you. We're both on Cameo. Yes, sir, we are. I'll, I'll talk to you in a couple of days, my friend. All right, buddy. Have a good couple of days. Later, gang. Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.